0: Welcome to the most inappropriate book club you never knew you were missing. Featuring at least three different books every week. Starring Martha Steele, the weirder the book, the better. Vonnie Golden, historical fiction with a side of trauma porn. Keith Steigert, reading the books your mother warned you about. Megan Runyon, reading YA, and whatever her current fixation is. These people are passionate about books, maybe a little too passionate. Plotting world domination one book at a time, they are three book girls.
1: So we were just talking about it, and I was like, I wonder if it would be possible for Megan to even describe a person she would be willing to date. is not a celebrity without using the the descriptors
2: (laughs) of any famous person. I think I could describe a gentleman caller that might meet Megan's... Uh Uh-oh. Might hit Megan's fancies. Okay, let's hear Uh, it. uh, Definitely boy next door. Mm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Pretty face, Mm -hmm. for sure. Um, Not muscular, but not a sloth. (laughs) Okay. She's on the mail so far. Um, not overly tall, but not short. Average height. It would not be somebody who has like super long hair or buzz cut. It would have to be either somewhere in between or a short stylish do. Okay. Like, you know, there's some gel or something going on. No, she's even
1: got (laughs) the gel figured out. I freaking love this.
2: And attitude wise, I think um animal lover. Okay. Nice uh Nice to children and other people. Yep, but doesn't overextend himself too much. What would he do for a living? Ooh, hmm. that's hard. I know. Maybe I love it though. maybe marketing, but not sales. Okay. <laughs> um, not. I don't think an accountant. Hmm. Don't think accountant or a PR director. Somebody who's very outgoing. I think she would want somebody who is has an outgoing personality. I'm going
3: to need Vonnie to write my dating
2: profiles. (laughs) That's what I think. Maybe HR, but that's going to, I think, I think public relations would be more.
1: See, for me, I would think that. This is highly entertaining to me. If it were me trying to pick somebody for Megan, I would pick somebody opposite of her. Okay. I would pick somebody who, um, who was nerdy from the standpoint of like, maybe he was a big Dungeons and
2: Dragons fan, or, you know, he has some certain- Nerdy, but not an introvert. No, yeah. no, 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 no. Yeah. no there, yeah. there are a lot
1: of people that yeah. aren't.
2: Ha- people who
1: have a f- big fandom interest. Yes. Yeah. Not necessarily, like, the same one she has. Right, okay. So that he can relate to her fandoms. But, but yet, they, but out. yet they would be opposite. So he would he would probably have a job like I don't know, maybe an architect or um, a city planner
3: <laughs> or something. Somebody logical,
1: yeah. Hmm.
3: To even out my Piscesness.
1: <laughs> well, see, and the reason I'm saying that is because my Pisces-ness needed to be evened out by an engineer.
3: Yep, that's fair. What about you, Keith? What
1: are your thoughts on the matter?
3: Since we're writing my new
4: Bumble profile on the podcast this week, I don't know, dude. I just find it too weird to, like, pick out a guy based on his profession and, like, you know what I mean? Like, well, we're not. I mean, we're just speculating.
1: As on what...
3: Bumble sends me a push notification that says, bitch, you haven't logged in in days. <laughs>
1: <laughs> You're right. Now it's it's time to, do, to give Vani the same treatment.
3: Well, do I get to say what I would pick? Okay, what would you pick?
1: They okay. already
4: said what you would pick. <laughs> they did. I... <laughs> That's what you get. I was gonna say. I think
3: we covered everything,
1: Megan.
2: No, but Bonnie was pretty spot on. Like, yeah,
3: (laughs) curls. I do like curly hair.
2: Yeah. Well, I was thinking like the messy. Yeah, like the messy. Like the people that you like, like in, as in your stardom. Yeah. um, You're not supposed to.
1: You're not supposed to take that into consideration.
2: Well, no, I'm not taking. I'm not. I'm but not like, describing a specific celebrity, but you have to understand that what she finds attractive. I mean, if she finds, if she likes all curly-headed actors, you're not going to set her up with a freaking buzz cup. It's true. Muscle it's true. man. I mean, you have to go with the line It's kind of hard because we've never seen her date anybody.
3: It's, it's been a minute. <laughs> <laughs> or
2: wait, we haven't we haven't witnessed she hasn't introduced them, her dates. That's, we have a I haven't really but, but have, um, since the pandemic. Like, because it, they're like
3: the older you get, the stuckier it gets to try to date. Like, funny gets it. Yeah, but I like, I, people are like, "Oh, have you been on like?" Bumble, i will be like, yeah, Bumble's where I go when I want to feel worse about myself.
2: I know, right? <laughs> like,
3: if I just really need a self-esteem dive, I will log right into yeah. that bitch.
2: <laughs> just go ahead and put that Ben and Jerry's in the refrigerator right yes. now. I'm about to get on Bumble. Yeah, like, it's the worst. Is and it, why is that?
1: Why? What makes Bumble different from...
3: It's any of them. Like, any oh, of the it's dating sites. It's Hinge, signs. it's Bumble, it's all of them. The ratio is so skewed.
1: More men versus women?
3: No. More women. There's so many women... There's one guy for like 200 women. And so when you're swiping, like, and I tried to explain this to the, to like Eric and Andrea at work one day when we were talking about somebody that we used to work with. And I was like, you guys, cause he, they were like, he's on a different date every night. I was like, do you realize what shitville lives in Bumble? Like, yeah, he's going to get, he could get 12 dates a night. Like <laughs> he could never be home because the pool is so limited <laughs> Mm-hmm. That like, and it's not because that real
1: disparity exists in the dating pool. It's because the people who choose to yes. be in those particular yes.
3: apps. Yeah. But anyway, Vonnie's per- perfect person.
1: Okay. You get to go first because uh, she got. I to feel go like first she has you.
3: so. You were so good at it. I'm going to be terrible at it. Obviously, they have to be an animal lover because Echo came first.
2: Always. Always.
3: <laughs> I feel like, again, like average height because you wouldn't want them to be like super tall so Vonnie's on the shorter side so I feel like you wouldn't necessarily be like oh somebody who's like 6'5 because that's a lot of height difference dating a
2: basketball player might be
3: nice for him I Mm. come up
2: to his kneecaps
1: (laughs) right wasn't kneecaps it was on my mind
2: (laughs) well I was trying to keep it PG okay fine (laughs) um let's see somebody that will
3: that would like drag you out of like your comfort zone like you would like the opposite person like somebody would be like we're going out to dinner She's looking at me like, no,
2: <laughs> I think you would. Cause it'd be like, you'd give you a little like spice, a little change. It depends on if they got mad, if I was insistently saying no. Oh, uh, fair. Or, and somebody who also
3: enjoys like, st- like someone who will go out, not necessarily always dragging you outside, but like somebody that would go out to dinner, but is also just as content to like sit on the couch and watch history channel with you. She like
1: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so my turn. Yeah. I think she needs a teddy bear. hmm A guy with a beard. I don't know why a beard comes into my head. No, I could see that. A I could with a see beard. It. Probably no tall, no taller than five ten or five eleven. Somebody who worshipped the ground she walks on. <laughs> well, obviously, <laughs> 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 I wanted to think I shit rainbows. No, but somebody who's just really a good communicator and focused
2: Mm. because,
1: I mean, she doesn't like flakiness. No. It would have to be somebody who's focused. Yeah. So what kind of a job do you think that would be? That would have to be, I don't know, maybe a computer programmer, somebody just as smart as she is. That would be a big one. So it would have to be somebody intelligent, a dog lover abso freaking literally would have to be a dog lover. But if he had a dog of his own, that might make problems because, you know, Echo and other dogs.
3: Because somebody is a puppy princess over here. Yeah.
2: Well, Echo can be introduced slowly to other dogs. I mean, Echo didn't like Ryder when they first met either.
3: Mm, true. You. Yeah, we're talking about you.
2: <laughs> it took three months to get Echo and Ryder to tolerate each other, and now they're BFFs. Hmm. Yeah. So...
1: That would be my my prediction for Bonnie's. So if you know anyone, man. feel
3: free do not DM us. Don't do it. I take it back. I do not date. So there's our post Valentine's <laughs> Day, uh what you personal really ad. What you
1: really need is, you know, like one of those one of those nosy grandmother types. The lady who runs the dry cleaner who always runs into different characters and is like, Oh, this guy's so sweet, he'd be perfect for you
2: and You should eat dinner together. Come on now. I'll set it up. (laughs) You know, just one last little thing about Valentine's Day that was just kind of funny in a little bit of a sad way. You know those, like, little um, memes that on Facebook, like, you know, oh, push the heart and find out who your true love is. Yeah, yeah. Well, I did that just to be funny, and I do those a lot, but just don't post them because, you know, they're stupid. And um, it came back, you don't have one. (gasps) What? (gasps) What? Yes. I'm like, well, thanks, Facebook.
3: That's rude.
2: No. At least give me my dog's profile or something. <laughs> God dang.
3: Oh no. That sounds Dude, like
2: who's your true love? You don't have one, bitch.
3: I don't like that's terrible. Facebook? Rude. Facebook.
2: Here's your Here's your yearly subscription to Ice Cream of the Month Club. <laughs> <laughs> is, I, is there an Ice Cream of the Month Club? Because I, I need that shit.
1: Well, Vonnie certainly does not need an Ice Cream of the Month Club because <laughs> no. she would have to be If it's glued non-dairy. Yeah, well. yeah, it'd have it'd to be, be non-dairy. Dairy. Here's <laughs> your... <laughs> Miss Lactose Intolerant over there would not do well with an your Ice Cream yearly of the
2: Month Your yearly non-dairy Ice Cream of the Month Club. Cashew <laughs> <laughs> milk only, please.
3: Keith, did you
4: guys do anything fun for... Valentine's Day with Mr. Keith? No, I had a child on the 12th, so um, yeah. from that point on, we pretty much didn't do stuff.
3: Yeah. the Rachel and her husband don't do Valentine's Day because his birthday is the 13th, so they celebrate his birthday instead of Valentine's Day.
2: Well, really, Valentine's Day is so busy that if you're already a couple, it's just easier to do it, like, the weekend before yeah. or the weekend after or... Just do something at home and go out another night.
1: My yeah. sister was visiting on on Valentine's Day and we were going to try to. <laughs> it's funny because I, I called Dylan. And I'm like, well, Annie's in town so we can all go out to dinner. He's like, dude, we're not going out to dinner for two reasons. Number
2: one, it's <laughs> Valentine's Day. <laughs> You're not going to get a table. No. <laughs> yep. And, you know, you can the tell traffic. there was a lot of people. Oh, my God. Traffic it was, was so horrible. Hor- all day. I haven't all seen it long. that bad since before the pandemic. Because you know, I drive home at lunch to take Echo out. Yeah. So I drive home from work and back, and you know it. I was almost late coming back from late from lunch. I was late coming in in the morning because traffic was just it was stopped. horrible
1: all all stinking day. I was in the car in the car for a full hour wow. getting home. That's how bad it was.
2: That's hmm. crazy. So by the
1: time I got home, I'm like, I looked at my sister and I'm like, dude, we're not going, we're not going anywhere tonight. Sorry, we'll be eating in this evening. Yeah, <laughs>
3: yeah. Eh, it's okay. Yeah. I did my traditional buy a heart shaped pizza and watch a chick flick. That's pretty smart, actually. Yeah. Once they started doing those. Those heart-shaped pizzas. I was like, "Sold. This is my new thing. My new Thanksgiving. My new <laughs> Valentine's
2: <laughs> Thanksgiving Day. Thanksgiving and Valentine's yes. Day all rolled into all one." Who has a one. heart-shaped pizza? Uh
3: Marcos has a heart-shaped pizza. Donato's, which is like new, but it's not new to me because it was in Ohio. Hideaway
1: has one. Does Hideaway
3: do one too? Yeah, because oh. cuz that's you know,
1: Ron and I, because we've been together for freaking ever, got married in 1990, so we've been together a
3: very long time. The late 1900s. Yeah, I know, right? The late <laughs> One <1900s>.
2: eternity later. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, I looked at him and said, honey, please don't get me anything for Valentine's Day. He goes, yeah, those flowers that somebody brought over recently, I could tell that was not a good gift for right now, because I've been really stuffy. So, he's like, no, I'm not going to buy you any flowers. I said, good. No chocolate either. He goes, Okay. And I said, what do you want? He goes, well, I don't know. So for his valentine, I bought him a pepperoni pizza. It was not heart-shaped, but it Missed had out. so much pepperoni on it that you couldn't see the top. Awesome. So, you know
2: what I'd like? I, instead of flour and of flowers, I want <laughs> um, some of those bacon roses.
3: <laughs> oh, yeah.
2: I could go for some bacon roses. Bacon roses. roses. We we talked about bacon on last week's podcast. We clearly
3: need to have brunch and eat some
2: bacon. (laughs) I know I need some bacon in my life. Well,
3: since since we
1: are doing a double episode this week, we're doing one today and one tomorrow, or one Sunday morning.
2: Yes,
3: we'll
1: we'll have to talk about bacon, making some bacon happen.
2: There you go. Well, I don't buy bacon for my house because I will eat the whole pound in one sitting. Yeah, it's pretty good. Because I love bacon. And really, though, once you cook it and all the fat kind of melts away, it's not really a pound. <laughs> True. It's more like half a, a pound. Half a pound. And you throw in a little bit of, like, eggs and spinach, yeah. and then it's a salad. It's practically I mean, a salad. It's practically, practically a, a salad. salad.
3: Yep. Is there any spice in your book this week? No. None? No. Oh, no. No. No, you're
2: doing nonfiction this week. That's why there's no oh, spice. Oh, That's right. Well, I thought it had been a while since I did a really good dad book. So I decided that I would get in touch with my masculine side. (laughs) And actually, I shouldn't say that because there's a lot of females who like these kind of books also. I mean, Pat reads a lot of the same stuff that I read. Um, Shona Lawrence reads a lot of the stuff that I read. So this week I read a nonfiction and it's called Bringing Columbia Home by Michael D. And I really hope I said that right. And this book is about the Columbia disaster that happened February 1st of 2003. Kind of why I thought it was appropriate to talk about since it is February. So I can't believe it was that that long, 20, 21 21 years ago, years ago. Dang. Mm -hmm. We're old. (laughs) I know. Shit. I still remember the Challenger. I was going
3: to say, you remember the one before. I remember this one vividly.
2: For anyone who is unfamiliar, Columbia was one of the, was the space shuttle that disintegrated when it entered the atmosphere coming into land. It's a very good book. It was extremely interesting. Just to tell a little bit more of the story, like I said, it It disintegrated while it was coming into the atmosphere over Texas, Louisiana. So the debris field was, I want to say they said it was like a 250, 300-mile patch of land in rural East Texas and Louisiana. And these towns that they were going to had like populations of 1,100 people. And they Yikes. basically doubled the population with the amount of people that they had to bring in to search for the space shuttle debris. Wow. Um, because for one thing, they needed to piece everything together to find out what happened. They needed to find these seven astronauts who lost their lives that were on the shuttle. And a lot of the debris was toxic because yeah. of the propellant. Oh. So they needed to, I, they had to call in like FEMA and did they have OSHA in 2003? Oh yeah. oh, yeah. And OSHA and everything to decontaminate. Wow. They had to close the school. God, I didn't even think about that. Because there was debris around the school and they didn't know what was toxic. So they had to go in and decontaminate the schools before they let the kids go back. Jesus. It's just overwhelming. When you think about the huge amount of people and the area that they had to search and the kind of debris that they were finding. Yeah. It it was just, it's just overwhelming. And like I said, this happened in such small towns that these towns, their resources just were not set up for all of these people. Like in part of the book, when they're talking about one of the towns that they went to, to try to send up a command center. Mm-hmm. And they sent it up, I, I want to say they set it up like at the fire station or something. And it only had two lines. and two they, phone lines? Two phone lines. Oh, and geez. they had to call to get 10 more phone lines put in. And then that wasn't enough. They had to get more. Then they had to call electricians in because they didn't have enough enough electricity. They ended up having to put transformers on all of the... Is Tyler calling you now? The electricians ended up having to hang transformers in trees because they didn't even have enough power lines. <laughs> For wow. the amount of electricity that they needed to run the equipment.
3: I guess I didn't think about how, like, far that debris feels. Like, when you watch it on TV, it just feels like it's, like, one spot.
2: Yeah, you know what I mean? but like. It's not. It's such a huge area. And, you know, a lot of these small towns, and you think of, you know, the backwoods, Rednecks, you think um, not very welcoming people, but everybody was so wonderful and welcoming. And, like, even people who couldn't afford it, like, were trying to bring food to feed. All of these people that were searching for debris and just... It was a tragedy, but just the overwhelming support from all of these small communities. Even, like, the uh, Native American uh, firemen Mm. from the tribes Mm -hmm. were coming out to help them search. And, of course, it was chaotic, and people were picking up things that they weren't supposed to. Immediately, uh, things started going up on eBay, Oh, of course. And NASA and the FBI had to stop it. Mm -hmm. And so NASA and the FBI stopped it and, you know, told them, pretty much put it out there that you will be arrested Mm -hmm. if you take this stuff. This is federal, you know, government property and so on and so forth. And because they needed that debris back, they gave everyone... Like a forty-eight hour get like out of lenient, free, yeah,
3: get out of jail free card.
2: Get out of jail free to so that they could bring the debris. And do you know that people not only brought the Columbia debris, people brought debris that they had from the Challenger direct um, disaster that they uh-huh. weren't supposed to have. Oh no!
3: <laughs> no. <laughs> NASA's thinking the whole time they have both like the whole all of the challenger and they're like no just kidding there's like a whole left panel over here in texas (laughs) somewhere
2: and uh, they said that people were bringing debris up and uh somebody brought up a explosive device that hadn't exploded they they didn't know what it was obviously from from the crashes or from just from the the debris from the crash they brought it up and you know you can't create a panic with all of these people. Oh, my God. And so they're like, okay, thank you. Can somebody get me a metal box? <laughs> <laughs>
3: uh, can someone send the robot to pick this one up? Because I'm running the other way.
2: So, Jeez. But, yeah, just the overwhelming support that they received from these communities, it just, it's very poignant. Ah. God, why must you use that word? We haven't used that word in months. You've been given <sighs> because a Because I wanted to see you roll your eyes. <laughs> Not only was the people aspect of this book just a great story, but also like the mystery of them having to piece this stuff together to try to figure out what happened and why it disintegrated, why it broke up on. But just the whole problem-solving element of them having to try to piece together all of this debris and try to figure out what happened. That was a great part of the book for me anyways, because I like that problem solving kind of thing. It's almost like a mystery and you have to dig into it and you have to inspect. But this was a wonderful book. It is very factual. It is nonfiction. I didn't think it was boring. Martha probably would think it was boring.
1: Maybe. But if you
2: really like that kind of factual um, dig into a problem, into a wreck to find out what happened.
1: Obviously, if it was something I was interested in, then I wouldn't hate it. And something like that I might actually enjoy reading.
2: Yeah, I thought it was yeah, wonderful.
1: That, that's n- not outside my wheelhouse at all.
2: Hmm. But the draw- I'm sorry, I didn't mean no, to no, no, like no. specifically. No, you're
1: absolutely right. That usually, I'm not a big fan of nonfiction.
2: Mm-hmm. But it was interesting, and I mean, it was such a huge undertaking and such a huge experience for all of these people. Not even just the the NASA personnel that came up from Florida and from Houston. Just everybody. In the community that helped. It was an awesome book. I really enjoyed it. I liked it. I liked cool. it a lot. Cool. And that again was called Bringing Columbia Home by Michael D. Leinbach, who actually was um, the launch director of the space shuttle program at NASA JFK Space Center and the key leader in the search and recovery efforts. Cool. Oh, so he has like intimate knowledge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like it.
1: Okay, let's m- move along to uh, the next contestant on the, the book is right. girls. <laughs> Keith, thanks, Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering if you're going to play along. Good job.
4: <laughs> book I'm reviewing this week is called Fangirl Down by Tessa Bailey, and. It is a golf romance ooh, because, you know, there's so much hockey, Yeah, I never read it about golf. I
1: love it. You know, personally, I would think that the shape of the ball for golf would make more sense than a puck romance-wise, you know, because golf balls are round and they might possibly resemble another. Some might
2: like it flat.
4: Yeah, I
3: guess. Oh, Lord. Save us, Keith.
4: Flat and black.
3: I mean, (laughs) golf guys have...
4: uh... When I say it's a sports romance, it means that one of the people play sports. It doesn't mean that they use their, like, (laughs) balls and equipment to, like, do things to each other. Oh, you know that
1: I'm just being silly. (laughs) (laughs) But go right ahead with that golf club, Keith.
4: So uh, this book is about... Bad boy golfer. Yes. His name just makes me laugh. His name's his name is Wells Whitaker, which is just That's, that's like the a golf most name. Yes, I was gonna say it's such a golf name. <laughs> <laughs> Does he wear jawed purse too? Probably. He is actually like he, he's this he's one one of these like kind of kids that had this terrible home life and he didn't start playing golf until he was in high school. And like some guy kind of found him and just was trying to channel his his rambunctious bad teenager energy somewhere else. And then he turned out he was really good at it. This whole book really feels like like a sexy, happy Gilmore kind of thing where this guy kind of just falls into it. I mean, he's not goofy. He he's he's more like he's this terrible brooding everything is awful kind of guy he doesn't really he's not like a golf guy in the sense that he wears the weird clothes i mean he wants to wear like jeans or that kind of thing when he plays and and he doesn't like you know kissing up to um sponsors or any of that kind of stuff And he does really well and he wins a couple of titles at first and then as he and then something happens and he just kind of isn't as great as he once was. And he learns really quickly that golf is like a fickle world. And so some of these people who he was close with or he's really built ties with have kind of left him as he's done more poorly And so he's on tour and it's being televised and there's one woman who is his number one fan and she comes to all, uh, like, all of his events and she holds up a big sign saying that she's um, Wells Bells. She's one of Wells Bells. Like, that is his fan group. That is a fucking genius fandom.
3: (laughs) And I am here for
4: it. Wells
3: Bells!
4: (laughs) So... Like she's holding the sign and she's the only fan left that he has that's just there specifically for him. Aww. And on this day he's doing awfully and he just kind of decides, you know what? Screw this, screw the tour, screw golf, like I just don't care anymore. And she is still like, no, come on, it's okay. You can still do this. And Aww. he kind of marches over to the to her takes her son and rips it in half. And he doesn't know her name, but he recognizes her from all the golf things. And he just basically like kind of rips her a new one and tells her to just get the hell out. I would fucking cry. Would cry. Well, it turns out she is actually the manager of a big pro shop at a major golf course in, in Florida. And she knows a lot about golf. And she... Is in a really bad place because she, her pro shop is in Florida and they had this huge hurricane come through and it really decimated the shop. And she is a diabetic and she's not making a whole lot of money from the pro shop. So she let her insurance lapse so that she could buy insulin. Yikes. So now she's trying to figure out how to, and this has been like, It's the kind of thing where this business has been in her family forever. And then as soon as she takes over, it all kind of falls to crap. So she's busy trying to figure out what she's going to do. And this golfer guy thinks about what he's done. And he feels so bad that he kind of goes looking for her. And then he realizes that she's in this terrible situation. So he decides to go back on the tour and he hires her as his caddy. Aww. So this book was really great in just all the romancy, happiness kind of ways. But it was also really good in that we have a main character who has diabetes. And you don't really see that a lot in books. And so uh, you learn an awful lot about the disease and how hard it is to manage. How expensive the drugs are. You get a real, so it's really good with representation of that. And also she's his caddy and women caddies are not a very popular thing on the male golf tour. So, I mean, all like she's expected to go in like there's one dressing room and it's a men's dressing room. And so you just see how kind of skewed golf is in a lot of ways mm-hmm. and it's really nice because they make a lot of advances and you think oh that would be really great if they did that in real life and i think they do because i mean i did i did do google searches because <laughs> i don't know a lot about golf like my father's a huge golfer and i still don't know a lot of about the game so i mean there are women who caddy for their husbands and stuff so that was fun to see but it's a really it's a really fun romance. It also has some really good tidbits of information in it. I mean, if anybody reads Tessa Bailey, they know that she always writes these amazing, like, broody, grumpy, but also insanely hot men. And then these adorably happy, always looking on the bright side of things, like female characters. So she's got grumpy sunshine all wrapped up in a, a little bow for this one. And, yeah, I, I liked it a lot. I gave it five stars. And that, again, was Fangirl Down by Tessa Bailey.
3: That sounds lovely. Good job, it golfers. <laughs> All right. So we're going to take a hard left because I have a true crime book this uh-huh. week. That'll and do it. That'll do. And so this was not the book I had planned on reviewing this week. And then I started reading it. And I'm going to tell you why I had a shift. So I am reviewing Down the Hill by Suzanne Hendricks. And if you are at all in the true crime world, you just heard the words Down the Hill in your brain in the audio from this case. So I had picked out a different book to start reading. And I woke up on the 13th. So what was that? Tuesday? And was like, no, that's not the book I want to read. I want to read down the hill. I want to read about the Delphi case, which this case happens in Delphi, Indiana. And I open the book and read the first page, which the sister, Kelsey, has the forward. She wrote the foreword. She's the sister of one of the girls. And two or three sentences in, it says, February 13th was like any other day or like the day that everything changed. I literally picked up down the hill on the 7 year anniversary of the death of Libby and Abby and it creeped me out and I just felt like it was kismet or something that I had totally different book planned and that was the day that book called to me from my shelf. So we're going to talk I tell you, I had full goosebumps. My boss walked by and he's like, are you okay? And I was like, no, I am not okay. (laughs) Like, this is weird. And so to give you... This book is done by um, Suzanne and she actually is a news reporter for HLN and CNN. And she also has a podcast about Down the Hill and they all kind of go together. So Abby and Libby are... 13 and 14, or 12 and 13, I can't remember exactly, year old girls. And they had an unexpected day off of school because Delphi had too many snow days that they hadn't used. And they were like, shit, we got to use one of these days. And so they were like, great, this random Monday, <laughs> the school's out. So the girls were, and this is a small town in Indiana. Like, I have driven by this town in Indiana. And the girls' older, One of the girls' older sister, Kelsey, they asked if they, she would drive them to the park because there is the Monon High Bridge, which is kind of like a local spot. It's an old railroad bridge that is sketchy as fuck that adults are like, no, I'm not walking across that thing. The kids are like, yeah, and like run across it like no fear because it's like a 63 foot drop if you step wrong off this bridge. But, you know, kids and their teenagers are like, we're going to make it. And so they go to this bridge and totally normal thing. Like it is a kind of a local spot. And then their dad, one of the dads comes to pick them up. They're not there. And he's like, well, maybe somebody else picked them up. I'll go to the house. And so they kind of do that round robin of like, are, are they with somebody else's family? Or are they somewhere? And to the credit of the city of Delphi, when they said, our our girls are missing, the city of Delphi said, holy shit, everybody get to the woods and start finding them. Like, they did not waste time. They're like, nope, something's wrong. Like, this is not normal. So, tragically, the next day, their bodies are found in the woods. There is little to no detail has been released on the manner of death they just keep calling it like brutal murder so i give them credit that they're keeping stuff close to the vest as and they talk a lot in the book about how that irritates the shit out of the news but like they, they understand why they're doing it but it makes it hard to give information to help the police find who did this but what they do learn is libby i believe i think it was libby one of the girls Her little spidey senses were tingling on that bridge because she had just taken a picture of her friend, posted it to Snapchat, like walking across the bridge. It's actually a really cute picture. And then there's a man that approaches them on the bridge and she had enough forethought and wherewithal of like, something is wrong. This is not a normal situation. She started recording him on her Snapchat as he's walking towards them on the bridge So the police Hmm. release a still shot of this person. Now, mind you, it is February in Indiana, and it was kind of unseasonably warm, but he still had what looked like a jacket. He kind of had his hands in his pockets, couldn't really see his face, but they're like, somebody has to know who this guy is. And then they don't really get a lot of traction, so they release this audio clip that she also had from that recording, and you hear him tell the girls down the hill. And that is part of the video. We later hear another clip. Years later, they release a little bit more. And huh, this case is fascinating to me. <laughs> and this this book just kind of walks you through this whole process that everybody's been living for the past seven years with this family. Um, that they come, uh, we've talked about that I go to CrimeCon. This family has been at CrimeCon since the inception of CrimeCon, talking about this case because. The entire world was like, you have his voice and you have his picture. How have we not found this motherfucker yet? So many times in cases, you have more success with less information. And they're like, this guy has to live here. He or have lived here at some point. Because like Monon Highbridge is known to the locals. And now, I mean, now it's known to the world. But at the time, it was not. And the detective like gives you goosebumps and I'm going to have to say two of these quotes from him because they like give you chills because he is the best. So he does these press conferences and two of my favorite quotes, and you can actually hear them, you can watch the videos and it gives you chills. So he pretty much talks right to the suspect because they're convinced that it's somebody who's close by. And one of his quotes was, you want to know what we know and someday you will. And he looked like dead in the camera because he's convinced that that person is, could be in the room, right? Because it's a small town. And then um, a different press conference, again, right to the room. He goes to the killer who may be in this room. We believe you are hiding in plain sight. And it just, it like still gives me chills. <laughs> like you just follow this this path of, was this person guilty or was this person the person and just the, the journey of the families and how amazing they are to like come to crime con every year and face a room of 3000 people to try to get more information. And it, it, they're fascinating. They are amazing people. They have so much courage to do those conferences and the police have, They've always been very, and a lot of people have been very complimentary that, you know, the police department was like, we're not going to lose this case because we leak something. Like we're keeping everything that we can to ourselves (coughs) because we don't want to get to trial and fuck it up because it's too important. So I love that they did that and have managed to do that. And there's a whole lot of developments that aren't in this book that I'll let you go look at on Google but it was very interesting cuz the one when i went to vegas for crime con the family was there and paul holes who if you follow true crime is like everybody's favorite and i remember all of us in that room being like paul holes needs to take his ass to delphi because he can solve this case like if this man can find the golden state killer he can find this guy and within months paul holes posted a picture of himself at monon high bridge and the internet like exploded because they're like, he's there. He's in Delphi. And it felt like a minute later, there were developments. So I will never not be convinced that Paul Holtz did not play a part in a lot of these later developments. Uh, but this story is just fascinating. I think um, Suzanne does a great job of telling you the story and connecting you to the family. And just like how invested she got. Like it w- it wasn't just a normal news day for her. Like it took over her career and just, oh, uh, there's so many things about this case. And I need to actually look up what's next because I'm sure there's there's been some crazy shit in the past couple of months with this case. And it's insane. And I would definitely, even if you know nothing about this case, this book would, you would be like, yep, I'm here for it. And then you can also listen to her podcast and they work well together. And that is Down the Hill by Suzanne Hendricks. And if you are a true crime person, you're going to want to read this one. All righty then. That's
1: two non-fictions.
3: Yeah. A a a romance
1: romance, and now a collection of short stories. We're just all over the map today. We are
2: all over the place.
1: So remember last week, Keith, I told you I was going to shock you by doing short stories. You did. Today is the day. Mm. So I don't know if you remember, but right before, right after the pandemic started, I read a book that had actually been written in 2019 that was very, very, um, what would you call that? Prophetic? Not really prophetic, but it was, it just fit perfectly for the time when it came out. And uh, that was called Song for a New Day by Sarah Pinsker. And remember I talked about Uh, cataloging my bookshelves? Yes. Right. So I was looking at all these going, man, I wonder if there's anything else out there by her. And I found this collection of short stories that the library had. And I thought, well, I really liked that book. So maybe I'll try these. And the book that I read is called Sooner or Later, Everything Falls into the Sea by Sarah Pinsker. This has 13 short stories in it. Normally, I don't really, I don't know, I guess there's hardly anything to sink your teeth into when you read a short story. And that's one of the reasons that I'm not fond of them, because just about the time I get into the subject line of the story, or the the subject matter of the story, then it's over. And we're on to the next thing. One of the things I think that helped me with this particular collection is that there was a bit of a common theme that sort of stretched through all the stories, and that is music. I didn't know why until just now when I was looking up information about her, and I found out that she's actually a singer-songwriter as well. So that makes perfect sense as to why there's so much information about bands and music and everything. It just sort of flows through the entire collection there were there were a couple of standouts in the collection for me the the title the title piece the sooner or later everything falls into the sea was really good it's about this woman who washes up basically on on this island and she's she doesn't have any food or water and this she runs across this woman who takes her in and I'm not even going to talk about that one. It's too hard to fucking explain. That's the other thing about short stories is like they're just these little time capsules. Or it's like an extended poem in some.
2: Time capsules is pretty good. It's like just a glimpse.
1: Right. There's not enough of it there to really explain anything about each story. It's almost like a dream. It is a little bit just little vignettes of things going on in, in different glimpses that you get. So I liked that one. I liked sooner or later everything falls into the sea. I really liked the one about the robotic grandmother built by a Holocaust survivor. So he ba- basically builds his his grandmother, and so that he, so that she can share her wisdom, with his daughter. And, of course, at first, the girl doesn't like the robot. She doesn't want anything to do with it. And as time goes by, she sort of becomes more attached. There was a retelling of Homer's siren called The Lon- Lonely Seafarer. This, a stretch of highway two lanes wide was really, really cool. It was about this guy who has a robotic arm attached And I've read a bunch of different stories about, you know, people with phantom limb syndrome and stuff like that. But this one is really weird because the guy gets the, the arm attached and the arm thinks it's a highway. And so he keeps getting visions of this particular stretch of highway in Colorado. And then something goes wrong with the arm and he has to get it fixed. And then whatever new software they put in it is replaced and he doesn't see it anymore. This is really... Weird and interesting, but the reason that I wanted to review this book is for the last story. It was, it made the entire thing worth reading. The premise of the story is that it takes place in a hotel, but the convention is made up solely of Sarah Pinsker's from different parts of the multiverse. All the same woman, all living different lives, and they get together for a convention.
3: So she's Loki,
1: she's all herself, all in different forms. So there's hundreds of them. So she's Loki. I don't know what the fuck <laughs> I know you're talking you don't, about. but
3: other people will.
1: So, it, in the very first part of the book, one of the Sarahs gets murdered, and so this the main Sarah that we get to know is an insurance investigator, but she's the closest thing they have to a detective. (laughs) So she's the one that starts trying to look into what happened to the murdered Sarah. It is the trippiest fucking thing I've ever read. So
2: if one of the other Sarahs killed the other Sarah, would that be considered self-harm? Exactly. I mean, there were so many
1: things about this that just made your brain hurt. But yet, it was such a good story, and I didn't feel the book. I didn't leave the book feeling dissatisfied like I usually do with a collection of short stories. Like I said, there was that main thread of music that ran most of the way through it. And then this just killer story at the end. Man, it really was one of those things that, as I was listening to it, I was thinking about all of the tiny little things in my life where there might have been a turning point. Like, say, for example, you're driving to work one day and somebody almost hits your car. And you think, man, that was close. What would happen if you actually did hit the car? Is, does that branch off into another you know, timeline, does that, does that version of me then get in the car accident? And I mean, there's just all this.
3: I need you to watch Loki now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Megan, stop. It wasn't a
4: movie like that. She
1: was called Sliding Doors, but it was only just the one of her. This is like, I'm thinking as I'm going through, as I'm listening to the story, I'm getting flashes of you know, when I was 18 and I was trying to make up my mind about what I was going to do, and there was this door over here I could have gone through. When I was five, my mom gave me a choice of, do you want to take voice lessons or do you want to take piano lessons? What would have happened if I had taken voice lessons? Would I be Taylor Swift? I mean, probably not, but you get where I'm going with this. All of these tiny little... Places in your life that might be considered a turning point. And of course, at the same time, I'm also listening to the story, but it's so it was so thought-provoking and so trippy to sit there and listen to this story that was all about the same person, just in different
2: possibilities. And at the end, they all go back. Kind of reminds me like of one of those. Remember choose your own adventure books. Exactly. Oh my god, I love those books. Exactly. <laughs> Except every time that you choose an adventure, that same it produces like another person instead of just another yep. timeline. Exactly. And it goes off and that person lives
1: your life but with different circumstances.
2: Mm-hmm. Or like um Rose on Doctor Who. Yeah. Instead the of the parallel dying. timeline. Yep. She lived in a parallel timeline where she stayed with the doctor. Or Dimension or
3: whatever she was yeah. in. Dimension
2: yeah. or whatever. Yeah. But like I said, it was that,
1: that, um, the entire book was really good. And each of the stories had a unique and interesting thought provoking moment for me. And her writing is very poetic where you'll, you'll read a sentence and you go, Man, that's so cool. And there were a bunch of those while I was reading it. And yeah, I'm going to have to buy a copy because it's just, it reminds me a little bit of Ray Bradbury. Mm. Some of the stories that I read from him when I was younger really gave me that same feeling. And as much as I bang on about hating short stories, (laughs) uh... I really <laughs> liked this set. And it was called Sooner or Later. Oh, wait. I forgot to say the name of that. Um, the last the last story in the collection. Oh yeah. The the name of the last story in the collection was And Then There Were N1. Like And Then There Were None. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So anyway, but the book as a whole was called Sooner or Later, Everything Falls into the Sea by Sarah Pinsker. And now I'm really interested to see if
3: I can find any music by her, too, to see if she's any good. You know, you can try to find this book at the book sale this coming weekend. I have
1: a whole list of stuff that I'm going to be looking for because I have things that I'm are on my wish list for my shelf. Yeah. Debuts I've read this year, some really good horror novels.
3: Now this one's on the list. So if you are in the Oklahoma City area, we are giving away tickets to the members pre-sale or the members pre-book sale event on Friday. Yeah,
1: it's a members only event that happens the day before the book sale, which gives you early access to get in. The the book sale itself here in Oklahoma City, if you haven't ever been to it, takes place at the fairgrounds. And this year they have over 500,000 Books
3: and only five, only a only thousand a of them are t- are Twilight. A
1: thousand, <laughs> but it's like it's like a dollar. And yes.
2: after Martha's there on Friday, there will be still about 400,000 books left. <laughs>
3: yes,
1: <laughs> right. After I get in there and get my hot little hands on all the goodies because I got there early, but we are giving away tickets. Yes, too so
3: early early Friday. So if you go to our social medias, we posted one this past week, and leave us a comment about what book you'll be looking for or what book you're excited to try to find or, or whatever. Or come on
2: Friday and look for us because, you know, we'll probably be there.
3: That's true. We'll be there. Uh, but if you well, go, you can't get in on Friday why? unless you've got tickets. Unless you have tickets.
2: Got to
1: win the ticket. Yeah, it's an early oh, access. Well,
2: I thought that's what we were talking about—people who won the ticket. Oh yes, yeah. We're talking about oh, people. I'm sorry.
1: Yeah, we want them to go and tell us they want free tickets.
3: Yeah. Oh. So they come. They comment on our socials, and then they can get their free tickets. Early access. And come see it. We'll be there. Come join yes. us in our early shopping on Friday. So. We get so excited. It's like the Super Bowl for book girls. It, for you, it's it's yeah. uh, anxiety inducing for me. Yeah
2: it's pretty anxiety it's, it is but i i love it anyway it's like a rush in adre- of adrenaline and then with all the people then it's like all right uh,
3: i probably have like three books i'm looking for and i probably won't find them <laughs> but we'll try
2: i go and, in with absolutely no plan that's how i ended up with three of the same book at home <laughs> <laughs> two of another yeah yeah so, so i'm like oh,
3: this book this book this book well, the Guthrie book sale was a couple weekends ago, and I really wasn't looking. I didn't even know it was happening. I was up there for something else, and I was like, oh, I should just look and see. And I all of a sudden saw the third Simon Snowbook by Rainbow Rowell, or maybe it was the second, whichever. I saw it, and I was like, oh, I wonder if the the other one is here so I can get, you know, two and three and I had looked and looked and looked back and forth through the tables, and then I had started looking under the table in the boxes that were open, and there it was just sitting perfectly <gasps> face up in the box. And oh. I was like, Dah! like the angel sang. Love it when that happened. Lights came down. <laughs> and it
1: was a doll. They were both hardback, and they were a dollar. See, that's the thing that that's makes awesome. a book sale so much worth it. And yeah. to add a little bonus to this, on Saturday... Yes. We are gonna we're gonna leave time for people to go to the book sale if they didn't get a chance to go the day before. So from nine to noon. Nine to eleven thirty. Nine, nine to eleven thirty, <laughs> give them a chance to go. And then if you want to join us to go take a look at all our cool new bookstores and old bookstores and, yeah. in Oklahoma City. We're we're going to do this book crawl as somebody commented on our social, what is this yes. for? It's because we want to hang out as book girls. Yeah. So we're getting together. We want to meet people who are book lovers like us. Maybe have a cup of coffee at each one. Not buy a book at every one. We, we can't.
3: It'd be, uh, it's only seven books we if you buy one at each
1: place. We can't commit to that. And we're not <laughs> saying, you know, come out and buy seven books. We're saying come and join us. And check the, it out. For the fellowship while we do the book crawl.
2: Well, yeah. And, I mean, you don't have to have a reason to have a crawl. I mean... People go on bar crawls just because they want to go out drinking. Well, we want to go out reading, we so go we're going to do <laughs> a book crawl.
3: <laughs> That's exactly right. And we did miss a few on this crawl, so that just means we have to do another yeah, one we're to catch do the couple that we couldn't squeeze. Yep, yeah. There's only so many hours that everybody's open, so we had to pick, kind of plot it out. Yep, and- so th- there definitely are different bookstores
2: there's only so many lattes that we time. can drink yes. no, while yeah. we're shopping for books.
3: Which, Keith, actually one of the ones that we we missed, I thought of you yesterday because I was at a pop-up that they did with, uh, it was the Band Press and Pear Street, which we're going to Pear Street. But they, um, the Band Press had a Chuck Tingle book. <laughs> 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 and I was like... I looked at the cover a couple times and I looked at the author. I was like, Chuck Tingle. (laughs) I
2: was like, we've talked about him before. I thought Keith was just making this guy (laughs) Uh, up.
3: (laughs) They actually had like the physical copy of a Chuck Tingle book on their shelf. It wasn't the coronavirus one, was it? No, I I think it took place in Vegas.
1: Coronavirus
2: pounds you hard?
3: No, it wasn't that one.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Probably camp Damascus.
3: (laughs) That sounds right, actually.
2: Uh, listen, I know size doesn't matter, but a virus is a little small. <laughs> <laughs> Probably wouldn't even know it's there.
3: But yeah, well, we're, we're gonna the the three of us local gals will go visit the band press.
2: That's B A N N E D. Yeah,
3: like band, band, like band books, not like a band boy band.
2: <laughs> That's what I thought she was talking <laughs> yeah, about. I, spell I was like, it. what the Martha hell? Was Megan. like, no wonder <laughs> Megan wanted to go to that one. Yeah. If it was banned like a boy band, that would have been on the list for this time. I, I <laughs> know. No
3: shit. No she shit. She would have been... Kid, okay, that would be the <laughs> best... Oh my God, Keith, you can help me do this bookstore. What if we just did all fandom and like themed like book like Megan's fans. head is exploding <laughs> yeah, right now because you could still about. you could do fandom like you could still have your sports romance because that's its own fandom and then you could have all the books that were like once upon a time fan fiction now like our actual books like 50 shades and after and all of <laughs> Allie <laughs> Hazelwood and you can have that as like your whole bookstore oh my god if I ever win the lottery you will know <laughs>
2: I think Megan had too many lattes before she came here tonight. Yeah, I think she did. We need to make her calm down. If uh, listening to One Direction does this to you before the podcast every time, then we're gonna have to limit you. Yes, there's no more, no
1: more One Direction for we're you. We're gonna Megan. have to
2: give you a One 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 Direction patch to
1: wear during the podcast. No yeah. One Direction detox, more like no. never.
2: Well, I meant. You know, yeah, so like, she isn't going to withdraw during the <laughs> true. that would yeah, podcast. But that would
3: be the most badass bookstore. Like, that would be so good. Like We're never fan- getting her off. Which this is thing. also
2: a fandom. Badass. <laughs> Could be.
3: Yeah. It, oh, there's potential here. There's so much potential on this theme. All right, we got to find an ending. Oh, I that. I'm 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 spent. I just made a whole bookstore. <laughs> Megan blew her water ready. <laughs> I hit Echo with my foot because she insists on Megan sleeping. Megan doesn't
2: even need the vibrating underwear. She just needs to talk about fandom for a while. And she's like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> she's oh like, God. <laughs> sports theme. Sports theme. Sports <laughs> romance. 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 <laughs> romance. Romance. <laughs> romance. And that's going to do it for three book girls.
0: If you made it this far, you are truly bookish. So go to Facebook and join your fellow book lovers on the Three Book Girls squad. Follow Three Book Girls on socials and be on the lookout for their next live event. Proud of their lack of shelf control, Three Book Girls is a Steel Trap production.